You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast. We're an independent, general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Skylight Books Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Jeffrey. Skylight Books is an independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. We're open every day from 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. And we also offer online shopping and curbside pickup through our website, skylightbooks.com. And you can check out all our upcoming events on our Crowdcast page, crowdcast.io slash skylightbooks. It's my pleasure to welcome Michelle K. Sugihara and Suchin Pak onto the podcast today to talk about my life growing up Asian in America, an anthology of nonfiction that's out now from Simon & Schuster. How are you two doing today? Doing well, thank you. Yeah, so excited because <laughs> today is the official day our book is out. I know while uh, folks are listening to this, it'll be a little bit of a different day, but it's very exciting to wake up to this day. They'll be able to appreciate the pub day enthusiasm yeah. a couple Yes, days pub day. Yes, <laughs> pub yes. day. It's my first pub day pub ever. Day. That's the word. That's yes, the word that's, I'm looking that's, for. That's the lingo. <laughs> Um, Michelle K. Sugihara is the Executive Director of CAPE, Coalition of Asian Pacifics and Entertainment, a nonprofit professional organization that supports emerging and established Asian and Pacific Islander creatives in Hollywood through fellowships, consulting, and partnerships with production companies and studios. She's an entertainment attorney, film producer, and adjunct professor for the Claremont College's Department of Asian American Studies. Su Chin Pak is a veteran journalist who has been hosting and reporting the news for over 25 years. She has reported on ABC, NBC, Discovery Networks, Oxygen, and E. She is most known for her long tenure as the first Asian American reporter for MTV News. And she currently co-hosts a podcast, Add to Cart, about consumerism and what it says about who we are. All right, so Su Chin, you got um, a portion of your introduction to this anthology to read for us? Yes. Um, okay, I will read some of this. And so I wrote um, the introduction to this book we're talking about today, My Life Growing Up Asian in America. Um, so here goes. There is a Korean word Han that is so essential to our identity, it is literally in the root word for Korea. Like a lot of very culturally specific words, the definition is hard to pin down but it is in essence an emotional state of being that is somewhere between deep sorrow, resentment, and anger. Many Koreans equate this emotional state to a fire that sometimes rages and sometimes quietly smolders. This internalized energy can be destructive, but at times it is from this fire that we can find the seeds of our courage. Han captures the complicated quality of where I am today in my understanding of courage better so than the American idea, which is always the fighter, the first one into battle, or the leader of the protest. I find that version of courage to be limiting and self-defeating. By that definition, I am a coward, which I know is not true. As I write this introduction during the summer of 2021, courage has been on my mind a lot because I've been so afraid. The rise in anti-Asian hate crimes that began in 2020 has made me scared for the safety of my parents and of my kids. I keep going back to the images and videos of our elders and our women, especially who've been spit on, beaten, and threatened because they are considered foreign menaces. 
And yet in all the years I've been in the media, I have never seen such a public outpouring of our courage. I've never seen people share the stories of our isolation and fear in such a vocal way. And it moved me to share my own pain, something that I never imagined doing. And in this outpouring, so many of us, myself included, have found a way into courage that is as complex as our sense of who we are as Asian Americans today. So that's kind of um, the beginning of the introduction. I'm not going to uh, read some, too much more. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's, I wanted to write about a different version of courage, um, something that didn't look like uh, the, fierce, the fierce woman going into battle all the time, that it could also look like something much more vulnerable. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. Thanks for reading. And then um, can you two just talk a little yep. bit about how this anthology uh, came together, sort of what yeah. the impetus was and how you found the writers? Yeah, Michelle, I feel like you um, are the best person to answer this and on how, number one, all of these voices came together. And then just the process of editing, right? Because I'm sure you have access to so many API voices at CAPE, but you pick these uh, for a reason. So can you talk about that process? Yeah, I'm very excited to, to do so. <laughs> this, this all started in the midst of COVID-19 lockdown. It was April 2021. We had just crossed the one-year mark of the COVID-imposed lockdown. The Asian American, the violence against Asian were surging. And as with most things in our lockdown lives, it started with an email, this time from our friends over at MTV, Christian Trimmer reached out and he had said he had taken the helm of MTV books and wanted to create a, a book that was something that he wished that he had had when he was younger. And that was the idea. And we fell in love with it. We fell in love with Christian. Uh, shout out to CAPE's communication manager, Jess Vu, who really was a project manager on the CAPE side for this book. And we, we started, as most things start, with a spreadsheet of who, who are potential people that we could reach out to and who-, who The revolution was, on a spreadsheet. It is. I love it. It, just, it all starts with a spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, of course, we said, hey, I wonder if we could get Suchin to do the intro. That would be amazing. And we knew that she had this long history with MTV and we're friends through uh, Time's Up and other community activities. And of course, just loved her generally. And so she was, of course, the first pick and the first name thrown out. And so really, really happy that, Sue, you agreed to do this because <laughs> it's, it's been such a, a fun ride. Yeah. And... And then the other aspect too was we really wanted to have a, the other aspect is that we wanted to showcase the diversity of our communities. I mean, there's so much that's under the umbrella of Asian American, Native Hawaiian, Pacific Islander, and just really the diversity and depth of the various communities. And so we wanted to also look just beyond the ethnic identities, but we looked at 
different age ages where people grew up across the country, different types of experiences. And so wanted to try to be as inclusive as possible of the various intersectionalities in our communities. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, when it, it, it is a bit of a leap of faith, right? When you're getting all of these voices together, because you don't have everything before, you know, you've signed on, you know what I mean, to do something. so. Um, it was incredible to see just the variety of voices. And, and I even want to add, for me, I, I feel like not only did you guys do a good job of representing so many um, in the Asian American community and a lot of folks in the Asian American community that are, are, that are even marginalized within our community. Um, you know, there's this fantastic essay in the book called On Being Black and Asian in America by Kimiko Matsuda Lawrence. Um, it was also excerpted and featured on time.com um, about the sort of complicated uh, intersection, right, between being Black and Asian in America. And I think that um, it was stories like this and, uh, you know, stories from so many others who live in this sort of crossroads, right, of like, even within Asian American identity, there's like the typical version of what we should look like, right? And, the, and that's very different than what a lot of Asian Americans experience, especially in this country, whether you're from, you know, your parents are from different, you know, cultures, you know, whether you identify, um, you know, uh, in different ways. So I think that too was a really great thing that you guys included because it's something that I don't, I feel like we're just scratching the surface and talking about even within the Asian American community. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, even we tried to get a diversity of professions as well. I mean, there, there was a, a focus on the entertainment industry because that, that is our background, but also wanted to cast the net a little bit wider as well and so to include poets and executives television writers and just across the gamut and really to highlight that everybody has a story you know and it's it yeah. was just I, I don't know what it was like for you reading this sue but like for me it was so raw and yeah. emotional like yeah. <laughs> i mean I, I i couldn't read it all in one no. sitting no couldn't yeah it's like one of those things i kept emailing christian <clears throat> as the, as they were coming in and and i was taking so long to respond and at one point i just emailed and i was like i can't get through this in one sitting i have to walk away i have to take breathers and cry and then you know rage and then i can come back and sit in this chair and get through this damn <laughs> damn book um but yeah, like it, it really is, you know, I keep telling people, you know, friends are like, what is this thing book you're working on? I was like, I know it's, of course it's edited, you know, it's a book, but it is an unedited, it feels unedited. Like you said, Michelle, it feels really raw. It feels very like off the cuff. It feels like journal entries. It feels like yes. intimate, you know, like moments in time and people's memories, you know, um, where where people start their stories. You know, often it's like in the middle of a of a of a childhood memory that like you and I have no reference to, and yet these intimate 
moments that people are sharing are so universal. And um, so it is, it, it's unlike, um, I don't know, I haven't, I, I don't want to say I've read every single piece of, you know, um, every anthology of Asian American identity, but I think it is particularly born out of this time. And so there is a quality to it, a defiance to it, a vulnerability to it that I think that we've been able to access because of the pandemic, because of, you know, the racial unrest, because of the violence um, that we've seen in the past few years that I feel like wouldn't have shown up in any other time. It's, it mm. is a capsule in some ways, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, I love that you said journal entries because I was... As I was reading it, sometimes I was I felt like I was peeking in on people's diaries and it was yeah. it made me feel a little uncomfortable at times. <laughs> like, wow, this is this is really emotional and vulnerable. And so I'm I'm just really, really grateful to all of the contributors for just being so open and and willing to share and have letting us include these stories in, in the book. And and yeah, I, I think this is really it is a snapshot in time and and also it's a benchmark against hopefully what future generations can measure the progress in, in our community. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I have hope for, for the future that hopefully some of these stories will maybe be more of a history than current. I, I don't know. Yeah, that, that, that some of the themes in here and the things that people talk about will be continued, you know, in the conversation, right? Like this isn't just like something that happened. <laughs> Wasn't that a weird 2021, you know? Like remember that weird time when we all had to wear masks and it, the world was falling apart and now we've just moved on as per usual. Um, I've often felt that way about um, the Asian American identity, about, kind of representation you know you and i have both been working in the media uh for so many years and for so many years people have saying this is it this is the revolution this is the transformative mm. moment and i look back and they were sort of kind of bubblings under the surface and it isn't until just recently in the past few years that i feel like oh no this is the, this is actually the transformation like i'm comfortable in in saying that 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 there is a, a, a shifting that is profound and um, unlike any other that I've experienced um, in my time covering the news and covering uh, representation and diverse voices. Like this feels so different than when I was at MTV. This feels so different than when I was trying to cover all of the AAPI, the small, small, tiny number of AAPI voices that would come across my news desk. Um, so yeah, I, I do hope that this is what the future is measured against. Um, and I hope that uh, these conversations are just, you know, the tip of the iceberg, right, in so many ways. Um, did you have, I know that you you wrote the afterword towards this um, in the book, but did you have like a, an essay within this book that I don't want to say favorite because I think that's really hard to say, but something that really struck you um, as you were reading this. Yeah, they're all so different. Yeah. And, you know, it was just, but yet so 
relatable. Yeah. I think that was probably one of the things that struck me the most because I, I know the effort that we made to make sure to diversify you know, ge- geography and age and education levels and economic background. And so to have this anthology at the end of it where these stories were all so relatable was a little unexpected, yeah. honestly, because like, there definitely was that thread. And in writing the afterward, you know, I got to read some of the, the uh, some of the essays, not all of them, but mm. enough to get a feel for yeah. for the the t- tenor and tone of the book. And then, of course, I had reached out to you and asked for your introduction so that we could make it mirror a, that. Yeah, yeah, make it more yeah. of like a, a bookend. And I just, I'm just, I marvel at the the variety. I mean, we have a, yeah. a one act play. We have some drawings and artistic pieces Mm -hmm. and so gosh I don't know yeah did did you have one that really resonated yeah I mean they like you said they're all different and they and they're all different mediums too you right like you said some some are drawings some are some are spoken word poems you know um I really I um I loved a lot of them and and one that kind of struck me towards the end of it was by Anish Rahman, and he was the uh, speechwriter for um, Obama. And he kind of wrote this essay, and he and he broke his essay out into quote unquote drafts, you know, as he would uh, you know write any speech. So it's first draft, second draft, third draft, and the first draft is you know the first draft of who he defined himself, you know, when he was young, and then the second draft continues on. And he has a at at the very last of his at the end of his essay, he writes, you know. Um, as a community, we undeniably face anti-Asian racism. If we choose to see it, we also face the harsh reality that we are often complicit in systemic racism, especially mm-hmm. in anti-Black systemic racism. As we lean into our proximity to whiteness, we only support the idea that at the base of being American is being white. I had spent the better part of my life doing just that, not anymore. And, you know, there's just moments in this book, like in that that little passage that I read where I'm like, this is where we are. Like, this is electric. Like, this is a live wire. Like, we are, rehearsal is over. (laughs) We are going live. Like, this is it. And and it's moments like that um, where I read it and I'm like, this is the moment that we're in right now. It captures so much of what I feel about the Asian American identity that is so different than what I have felt about myself before. Um, And so, you know, this whole book is, 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 is that it does feel at times there are essays that feel very nostalgic and there is such a heartwarming um, feeling to it. And then there are moments where we are in the present. We are woken up by this, um, by these words that, that just, there's undeniably um, something there that is sharp, that is clear. Um, and that is a, a real reckoning for a lot of us, you know? And so I love that, you know, I think that, you know, there there are just so many moments like that in this um, anthology. And 
And, you know, there are more questions, which is good, you know, because I don't, I don't know how you've been processing, but I'm, I'm a slow turtle processor. You know, I, I haven't fully processed the past few years and what has recently even as we sit here today, um, the extreme violence that has gone on even this past week. Um, mm. And it sits so heavily in, in, in processing it. It just takes up so much time and it helps to me. I turn to books. I don't, the news, Instagram, all of that stuff really distract me from understanding what I'm feeling. It's only when I'm actually sitting down pen, paper, words that I start to form um, a kind of opinion or even uh, uh, a snapshot of like what I'm feeling and what this means in the greater sense. And so I think that this book has done that in so many ways like it's articulated things that i have felt um but i couldn't actually you know put words to so yeah been, I, I was just yeah. going to say that as well it just some of these words articulated what i was feeling but didn't know how to say myself and yeah so kind of along the lines of the passage that you read one of the things that stuck out to me was the essay by Ellen Powell, mm. um, you know, the former CEO of, of Reddit. And yeah. she was t telling this story about when she was at one of these firms and there was a, a slew of promotions, but it was yeah. only men that got promoted. And like yeah. none of the women got promoted, even though they had been there longer and actually had better performance metrics, but still. And then, so she says, it was a wake up call for me to stop internalizing structural problems as my own failures and to start working on solving them systemically. Yeah. So, I mean, I was like, wow, that's, that, that is sort of, I think where, where we, yeah. we really are today too, is confronting the structural issues and, mm -hmm. and how do we work together to, to fight the system. Yeah, so. and, and to not take that on. I mean, that's such a good point, Michelle. I think that dismantling like our own um, shame and guilt about the way that things have happened in our lives, um, trying to figure out, okay, how much of that is personal responsibility and how much of that is completely out of our control. Like, uh, you know, working harder and longer doesn't necessarily mean you know, we don't live in a, in a, you know, meritocracy. Like right. her, her whole thesis is like, that's a fucking myth. bullshit. Yeah. Right. It's a myth. And, and like, I'm done with it. And when you buy into that myth, you buy into uh, the way that things are to white supremacy, to patriarchy, you know, all of that. And we're conditioned to do that. And it's so hard to separate that um, because at the same time, we're always told like, you know, it's on you, like you can right. do it. Like, right. you know, like, come on, girl, you know, girl, boss it up. You know, I don't know. I'm just making bumper stickers up, but I feel like incorrectly, but you know what I mean? I also love that, like, uh, you know, when Christian um, Trimmer and MTV Books came to um, me with this, you know, I obviously have a very long history with MTV, continue to have a, you know, a fantastic working relationship with MTV and working on projects uh, with them um, to this day. And, and there is something about putting something out for the younger versions of ourselves that we wish that we had. You had touched upon that earlier. 
there is something about the feeling like when I was sitting down, I imagined, you know, my 16 year old self reading this, right? That's who I had as the person that I was writing to. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people took that, um, took that to heart. Um, and there is something extremely revolutionary um, to think about this landing in the hands of, you know, young people now that are just forming uh, the answers to who they are um, and what it means to be X, whatever, however way that they define themselves, and that this can help shape that because I think it's just, you know, that's that's where the transformation is, right? I mean, that's where the real lasting transformation is, not just a flash in the pan or a, um, you know, in Hollywood, it's great. Like when you get one, you know, successful, diverse voice, then they, then, you know, it becomes that one for decades. You know, you never see another, another, you know, joy luck club for, you know, X amount of years. And then, um, and you always have to prove yourself, but there's something about this landing in the hands of a young person who is going to hopefully incorporate it into their DNA that feels very powerful. Yeah, I agree. And also just a different world. I mean, I look at some of the, the kids growing up today and, you know, they get to, to see things like over the moon, turning red, mm -hmm. like just, and grow up in this world yeah. where you and I didn't yeah. have that on our screens or, or even yeah. like the, the YA stories that are coming out. Like I remember when Saw the Boys first premiered and it was just like, this is so great to have <laughs> these YA romance stories. And what is that like to, to grow up in that world, to be that age and to be able to watch things like that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it is profound. I think that um, any any person living in the margins of society understands how how deeply impactful um, seeing a version of yourself is um, in books and in, in film and TV. It's only the folks that see that so much of themselves. You know, I hear complaints about right, um, and I and I walk into that often where, you know there'll be complaints that, well, you know, it's only because, you know, they're just looking, they're only looking for divorce voices right now, you know, like I can't get work because of X. And, and I just think that, um, that like, we can't put it, it, they're just like, it's a bottomless pit, <laughs> you know, like there, there are just endless amounts of stories that have never seen yeah, the light of day. Yeah. Like, and like, you know what I mean? Like if we did this, till the day we died, which is, you know, I think you and I are both so dedicated to this work, to putting divorced voices out there. It would never, it would, I would never, it would never be enough. I'm, I, I can't ever imagine a world where I'm like, okay, enough, <laughs> enough API, you know, stories. I, I've seen it all. There's nothing more to tell. And, um, and so I just love that, that, you know, we're, we're, we're putting this out there, right? We're putting this alongside all of the great, um, great films that have come out in the past few years, you know, alongside, you know, Bling Empire, love it or hate it. You know, I sat through that, <laughs> that show in, in one sitting and Me gobbled too, it up. <laughs> I was like, I have to stop watching this. This is not good for, you know, for my mental health. I should not be caring about these people and yet, right? Sex to it. But, 
you know, alongside that, right? Like all of it. I want all the 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 sugar and the carbs and I want all the you know the protein like I want the full meal of what yeah. the experience is <laughs> oh absolutely and then also with Bling Empire I likewise did it all in one, one seating <laughs> yeah. but what I really loved about it too though is that there was nutrients wrapped up in the sugar right because they, yeah. they, they address a lot of topics that we don't normally even get to see like addiction and intergenerational trauma and yeah. like, I, I know they I, I really loved how they weave that in and so to see stories like that on screen as well as in books like this one I think just highlight even further just the variety within and that we're not a monolithic we always say that but then we have a book like this where yeah. there's so many like 30 different contributors like that was one of the exciting things too because last year cape celebrated our 30th anniversary and so we said hey do you think we could get yeah. 30 contributors and um we were able to pack it all into the, uh, a book that is not a thousand pages <laughs> even though we have so many more voices we would I'd love to include, maybe they'll give us a sequel. Oh, I mean, I'm planning on a sequel every year. I don't know. I mean, I'm not writing an intro every year, but I'm planning on pushing them for a sequel every year. And yeah, it's not that heavy of a book and there's pictures, guys. So don't be intimidated. <laughs> there is, there, it breaks it up. There's poetry, like there, there's so much in this, um, in this dialogue. And I think people are gonna be really surprised when they pick this up. I don't know. I was surprised. I think there's, um, I think you have assumptions, you know, when you put a title out growing up Asian in America, I think it's mm -hmm. in some ways when I first saw that title, I was like, is that, I mean, that feels kind of generic, you know, like the, is, should we be coming up with something sexier, you know? Um, and now I'm sitting with it. I'm like, no, like the genius of it is, is that, uh, it's just, there's nothing, there's no like bells and whistles on it. Like this is exactly what we're talking about. What is the experience of growing up Asian in America? And then when you open it, you have such a vast, you know, different um, group of people with crazy different experiences from like you said, all walks of life, ages, careers, um, you know, geographical regions in this country. And this tapestry of voices is like, you know, one is more surprising and delightful than the next. And I say that not because, you know, we're part of it, but I, I truly believe it. I don't, I don't think I would be promoting this book as I'm just honest with you as um, passionately and as much as I've been able to, if I didn't love it so much, I think I would have just, you know, done the like pub day <laughs> and I'm out. But, you know, you and I are making the rounds because I think, I mean, I am, I'm just so proud of the, um, the final product and, and the collection of voices here. Yeah, same here. And each of the pieces, you know, they're maybe five pages, seven pages max. So they're very bite-sized. You can just sit down, read a story a night. And I, I think it's, it's not one of these like super heavy books. Like sometimes people might be... Yeah concerned about that but I mean it is very heavy topics but but delivered in digestible pieces or chunks yeah. you know yeah. so I, I think that's another really positive strength and 
I love that you talked about the title. So to pull the curtain back a little bit, yeah, we, we, went, we went through like several different like titles, like throwing it around. And one of the things is, well, we didn't want it to sound like a textbook. And yeah. like, we also wanted to make it seem a little more user friendly. And so, yeah, I'm really happy with the, the title that MTV ended up going with. There's, you know, one of the, and I know that we're going to sit with him uh, maybe tomorrow, I think it is, but there's this uh, story in here by Nathan Ramos Park, and it's called Going Country. And it's about basically, if you can imagine it, a, uh, a he tells a story of growing up both Korean and Filipino, I think, right? And yes. somewhere in, in a small town in Ohio, in Ohio. Mm-hmm. and he's gay. And his dream is to become a country singer. <laughs> like, just the premise of that. I'm like, where is the TV show? I'm watching the entire series. Um, and he talks about just like, struck, you know, right? This like dream he had. Like, can you imagine like being who he was and growing up in that time and growing up in that place of being like, I want to be a country singer. Like, what is more American? Right. Then, then, then Faith Hill, then yeah. like, you know, being a country singer. And I just, it's so, it's so wonderful to even imagine like how that shapes who you are. But he writes in there about like how growing up, you know, even his teachers, you know, in first grade were sort of uh, very discouraging, right. Of who he was and, and that sort of thing. And I think that, I think a, about like not only the audience that this you know book is catered towards right the young audience but like hopefully all of the other folks that are going to read it the educators the ones that are influential in young people's lives mm-hmm. you know how we inadvertently and unconsciously um, bring our own biases to the table and how that can how that can crush a young country singer's <laughs> dreams <laughs> You yeah. know, I want to go back to his teacher and be like, read this. Yeah. And, and watch be his different. YouTube video. Yeah. Like he, has, yes. he has a music video for his gay country Asian love song. That's right. You and guys, it's, it's so good. It's really amazing. Yeah. Incredible. I think that's a wonderful note to end on. Uh, uh, thanks so much for taking the time, Michelle and Suchin. Uh, today's guests were Michelle Sugihara and Suchin Pak, and they were discussing my life growing up Asian in America. You can order the book at skylightbooks.com or swing by and pick it up at the store. Thanks for listening. And thanks again to my guests. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.